Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Amen. All right, so we are doing a series in the book of Acts. I encourage you to take out your notes. You can also take notes on your app as well. If you don't have the church app, we can help you to get that. Last week, we talked about prejudice, an amazing chapter of Acts chapter 10. Peter, who starts out Acts 10, not even allowing a Gentile into his home, as was Jewish custom. By the end of chapter 10, Peter is standing in front of a whole household of Gentiles, telling them about Jesus. And while he's preaching, they get saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. After that, they get baptized in water. And when Peter takes the report back to the Jewish council in Jerusalem, they all declare together, it would appear that God has opened the door for Gentiles to be saved. Any Gentiles in the house grateful that God saves Gentiles? Come on, somebody, say amen. This is where our story picks up today. And I have a couple kind of mini lessons before we get into our main message for the day. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Gentiles also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number, everybody say a great number. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, these men uh, did not know of what happened at Cornelius' house. How many of you know they didn't have television to spread news or cell phones? So the news had not yet got to them that the door had opened for the Gentiles, but they themselves took courage and preached the message to a group of Gentiles. And it says, as seen on the screen, the Lord's hand was on them and a great number. Everybody say a great number. How many believe God can still save a great number? How many believe we need to believe for that in in this day and age we're living in? Would you believe with me for a great number? Now, news of this, news of what? That a great number of Gentiles in Antioch were coming to the Lord. They reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, note that we're going to talk about He saw the evidence of the grace of God, He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, that's Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So when news got back to the church that these Gentiles were being saved, they sent Barnabas down to check it out. Barnabas gets there. He takes a look at what's happening among these heathen Gentiles. Think about who was being saved. These were idol-worshiping, sex-loving, pagan Gentiles. And now they find Jesus. And Barnabas says, when I went down and looked at this situation, there was evidence that these people had genuinely be saved. How many of you believe when someone gets saved, in days to come, there ought to be some evidence that Jesus come in? Four of you. I'm going to try that again. All right. How many of you believe when someone genuinely gets saved, in days to come, there ought to be some evidences 
that Jesus has moved in. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Uh, lustful Ray is now respectful Ray. Drinking Dolly is now sober Dolly. Cussing Don is now tame tongue Don. Because Jesus has come in and done a work. Right. And I wonder, listen, I wonder if Barnabas would show up at your house looking for some evidence that salvation has come to your household, would he find some? When he, looked at your so, when he looks at your social media posts, would he see some evidence of your love for Jesus? When he listens to your speech for a little while, would he find some evidence that the grace of God has touched your life? Come on, somebody. Listen, if there's no evidence that you've been born again, it's probably because you haven't been. Come on, just trying to help you this morning. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, help me, church. New creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Is anybody in the house grateful that Jesus has kicked out the old and something new has come? And, and grateful. Amen. You're grateful that you're not what you were yesterday. All right. So Barnabas sees this great work that's happening in Antioch, and he needs some help, and here's what he does. So Barnabas went to Tarsus and looked for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And, and let me just mention this. Them calling them Christians was, 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 was really mockery. Oh, these are those Christ followers. That's what Christian really means, a Christ follower, Christ-like. Ah, oh, these are those people who are trying to live like Jesus. So it was kind of said in mockery, but it stuck. The Christians in mockery, but it stuck. The Christians. Come on, any Christ followers in the house this morning? Not a shame. All right? So, so Saul goes, or Barnabas goes and gets Saul. Now remember Saul, he was the greatest persecutor of Christians that got saved on the road to Damascus, right? He was very zealous, starts preaching in the synagogues, but threats were made that they, he was gonna be killed because, man, the, the drastic turnaround in Saul's life did not make a lot of people happy. So Saul ended, go, ended up going back to his hometown of Tarsus, and many believe he was there for as long as 10 years. Now, why do you think God would, if you will, put Saul on the backside of the desert for 10 years when he's zealous, he's got this dramatic story to tell? Why would, why would God kind of set him aside for a period of time? Somebody said to grow? Okay, now think about this. Saul was a Pharisee. You know what Saul had been taught all his life? Follow the law. The law is where it's out. Now Saul gets saved by grace, and I believe God put him on the backside of the desert to teach him. Listen, there's a verse that says this. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know who the greatest propagator of grace was coming out of those 10 years in Tarsus? A guy by the name of Paul. You want to read about grace? Read the epistles Paul wrote. Okay, God set him aside, and listen, listen to me. It is important. God is working in your life to teach you some things, to unearth out of you some things that this world put in you so that you can think more like him. We would say it this way, that you could be more biblically literate in understanding God's ways over the ways of this world. 
And I say that as a pastor with concern because I read statistics like these. 60% of Christians believe that there's more than one way to get to heaven. Well, Jesus said, I am the way. 30% of Protestants believe the Bible, only 30% of Protestants believe the Bible is literally true. That means 70% believe there's some fiction in here. That's problematic. Come on, somebody. Here is my concern. If you are not biblically grounded, then you can be prone to, help me, error, all right? That's why Jesus said to them in Mark 13, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claim I and he, he and will deceive many. It's why you need to sign up for Sunday school. It's why you need to get here on Wednesday nights. Listen, even the world is willing to give three or four nights a week to get filled in a myth. I want to follow the truth in Jesus Christ. Anybody with me? Now we get into our message for today. During this time, this is the time when God was moving in Antioch, Gentiles were being saved, uh, Saul and Barnabas were, were, were teaching them. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help. Everybody say help. Help for the brothers living in Judea. Thus they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So when Agabus, through the Spirit, let it be known that a great famine was coming, these believers in Antioch and later on other churches got in on this as well, decided they're going to collect money, send it back to Jerusalem, which was the mother church, so they could distribute it to people who had need. So today, I want to talk about generosity. Somebody say generosity. Listen, no question in my mind that generosity is one of the traits that make Eastern Assembly a great church. Anybody who hangs around here for a while understands what we operate, what we send overseas, what we give in our community. They know Eastern is a generous church. We don't, we don't always even say everything that we do. Uh, just because I'm preaching this message, I'll tell you something that happened this week to illustrate that. I, I sent an email to the principal at Sandy Plains and, and said, look, we've, we've partnered with you sometimes. We did a number of things over there. We've, uh, we've remodeled your church lounge. We've given lunch money for kids who didn't have any. I said, is there anything that you need that we can help you with? She says, well, well we need some electric pencil sharpeners. I'll be honest, I'm thinking three or four. But, but I said, how many do you need? Well, being the good principal that she did, she went to every classroom to find out what, which classrooms did not have working pencil sharpeners. And she sent me an email early uh, last week or this week. Um, no, last week. This is the first day of the week, early, maybe Monday. She said, I've counted. We need 20. I said, well, you know what? She said, I've counted. We need 20. I said, well, you know what? God has been good to Eastern Assembly of God we're going to be good to Sandy Plains. So uh, I ordered 20 electronic pencil sharpeners. Uh, they got here Thursday. I wheeled them over, presented them to them. And on the way out, I, I heard a shout as I'm walking out the door. They're here. They're here. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's the goodness. But now, but now listen, listen. Eastern Assembly is comprised of the people who attend Eastern Assembly. There's no magical vein of generosity that flows. Uh, you, you are the vein. So we can only be as generous as you 
are generous. Everybody get that this morning. Come on, somebody. And uh, uh, in other words, now listen. I'm ahead of myself. Back up. Don't you see that yet? All right. So I want to begin with this question. Why should a Christian be generous? Why should it be easy for a Christian to be generous? Now, many would tell you, especially if you turn on your Christian TV, that the reason a Christian should be generous is because if you are generous, you will get more back. Okay? Now, just listen to me, okay? The problem with that is, is if you give only to get, you are actually have a motivation of greed. You understand, okay? Uh, I mean, wh why do people play the lottery? Let's be honest for a moment. They want to hit it big so they can have more, all right? Why should be Christians be generous? Some preach you should be generous so that you could get more. Unfortunately, at the root of that is greed. How many know greed's a sin? Listen, even, even Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, there were those, in, even in Paul's day, that were traveling around saying, hey, if you live good for Jesus and give uh, the windows of heaven are going to open and you're going to be rich. But he said, Paul said this, that these teachers have been robbed of the truth who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. I can take you to some very godly people in this world who don't have a lot of money, but they live a lot like Jesus. Come on, somebody. Okay, so back to why should a Christian be generous? It's, it's really super easy. Are you ready? A Christian should be generous because God is generous. And if you want to be like him, anybody want to be like Jesus in the house? Come on. If you believe he's the perfect one and he was generous, then generosity is simply a trait that flows out of your becoming more like him. That was a good amen spot. All right, we'll try it again. Generosity should be the easiest thing in the world for a Christian because you are serving an incredibly generous God. Can I remind you of a couple things today? Say, go ahead, Pastor. Our Father in heaven generously gave his one and only son so that we could be saved. He did not hold back the greatest gift that he had in heaven, his one and only son. He freely gave him to us knowing he would be tortured, his blood would be shed. Listen to how Paul said it as he wrote to Titus. He said he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not only that, but the Father has generously promised that he will take care of our needs while we're here on this earth. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall meet your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Not only that, can I remind you that our Father has generously uh, promised us an eternity with him. Come on. Some of you get excited about your boss when he says, here's four Raven tickets. Go enjoy yourself. Woo, I got a generous boss. Not saying that's a bad thing, but how much more generous is our God in heaven that says, I have a free gift of eternal life for you, a place of no more sorrow and no more tears. We serve an incredibly generous God. And the more you become like him, the more who he is should become who you are, which means instead of holding on to stuff, you open up your hands. Come on. Why should a Christian be generous? Because God is generous.
It's that simple. Listen, if you are here in this place today and you don't know that you know that you are saved, that you're right with God, can I just point you to a generous God who is waiting with open arms to say, I've paid the price for your forgiveness. I've paid the price for your new life. Just come, and I won't deny you if you'll open that door. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans 8.32, love this verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Amen. Now, think about when I talk about generosity. Just, just think about how this works in all aspects. I, I start loving more freely. I start loving people. God, God sees that. He says, man, they're giving it away, so they're going to need more. So God, God gives more love to flow through you so that you have more to give away. Think about grace. Suddenly, you start being less judgmental and more gracious to people, and God sees that, and he says, man, they're, they're opening their hands to grace, so, so they're giving it away. God, being the generous God that he is, says, I'm gonna give them more grace. Come on, you start, you start forgiving people and not holding on to grudges, and God says, man, I'm gonna unleash my forgiveness on you because you've opened your hands. Now listen, amen? amen. Now, although... We are not to give to get. It's no secret that as you become more like God and open up your hands, he is more apt to open up to heaven to give you so that you have more to give. We're not just talking about finances. We're talking about in every area. Everything God has for you, he really can't add to it until you open up your hands. You say, well, I don't have enough to give away. Well, We could all claim that, but if you have Jesus, you've got something to give. You understand? So you open up your hands and give it back, all right? That leads us to scriptures like this, all right? Again, it's not to be the motivation for our giving. Our motivation is he's generous, but it's no secret that if you will open up your hand, give and it will be what? Given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, we pour into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's why Paul, in his writing, he says, talking to people who had uh, maybe more than others, he said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deed, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This is interesting. Paul didn't say, tell them to give because they're gonna get double back. He said, tell them to give because they're investing in eternity. I wonder how many of you just just take joy in seeing what God does when you're more generous, when when you love on somebody, what God does with that. When you're gracious to somebody, when you invest in somebody. Come on, somebody. Amen? Um, A true heart of generosity is thankful to see what they're giving has produced for others. Okay, Let let me give you some examples. Some of you were were here, it was quite a number of years ago now, when we raised money to help Pastor Lee build a uh, balcony in his church in Honduras. Uh, He is the mother church of about 100 churches that he oversees, and they all come together, and he just didn't have nearly enough room in his church. So we raised $15,000, which might sound like a lot, but uh, if you're going to build a balcony in America, that would about pay for the permit. But in Honduras, $15,000 built that balcony you were looking at. And I took that picture this past March 
when Dan Harlan and I were down there to minister to those pastors. And can I tell you what joy it brought me to see people up in that balcony and know that we had a part in providing that? Come on, somebody. Look, there's a bigger picture than just giving to get. It's like, what can God do if I open up my heart? How can others be blessed when I think more about that? Come on, somebody. Are you listening? We more recently gave money for uh, um, two churches in Honduras. This was one of them. And uh, this was a church that was meeting under a tree. How many know probably uh, tree planting churches in America probably wouldn't work so good? But in Honduras, they had, a, they had a fair-sized congregation meeting under a tree. We sent money down to at least get them under a roof. And then, and then they could raise the funds to, to block it all up. And so that's what, that's what happened. There's Dan standing in front of that church prior to the dedication. Here is the pastor. And the pastor told me, look, he did not sleep at all the night before the dedication. He said he was so excited to meet the people who sent the money to build his church. He says, I just couldn't sleep. I'm so excited. Come on, somebody. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen. I recently read a book by Christopher Alum, and he is the guy on the left here. This is him. This actually happened this week. He's in Tanzania holding a crusade. He was a Muslim who came to Christ, and uh, this happened this week. His legs, it's about the guy in the middle. His legs were paralyzed, and he could not walk. Jesus healed him, and I'm hoping if things work out, Christopher Alam, who lives in Lancaster, not far away, will be with us for our missions convention in March. But he wrote a book called Radical... Prosperity. I'd, I'd recommend you read it, okay? And the subtitle is, why, do, why does God pour out on people? Why does God give to people more grace, more love, even more finances? And the answer to that is right in the subtitle. Blessing to be a blessed. I'm sorry, blessed to be a blessing. Come on, everybody get it? I'm generous because God is generous. So I open up my hands. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to open my wallet. Okay? And, and, and I'm, I'm more satisfied with seeing what God does with that and the reward in heaven than I am. Well, I sent that check 10 days ago, and I was expecting the windows of heaven to open. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? To be more like him. Amen? Listen, Proverbs 28, 22. A stingy man is eager to get rich. In other words, why can't I just win the lottery? But he's unaware that poverty awaits him because he won't, he won't give with what he has now. However, a generous man will, help me church, prosper. I love this part. He who refreshes others. That's the heart of giving. I want to refresh you. I want to be a blessing to you. Will himself be refreshed. Okay? Listen, I know there are some of you watching online uh, this morning. I'm grateful that you're here, but, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you uh, what's in my heart, what I believe. I believe there's a danger in the day that we live in when many Christians are okay with just resorting to what I'll call home church. In other words, five minutes before service, get a cup of coffee, sit down. It's very convenient. And listen, if you're listening today because you're not feeling well, I'm glad you're home and not giving you giving us whatever you have. Uh, if you're a shut-in, I'm glad we have this opportunity. But if you can, church and serving Jesus is not about convenience, friend. It's about giving to a God who's been so generous to me. The least I can do is gather together with his people and lift up my hands. The least I can do is, is, is smile at somebody and encourage somebody in the house of God. 
It's not about how easy can it be for me. It's about how can I give back to a God who's been so generous to me. Can you say amen? Look at the early church. It says this, since we're studying the book of Acts. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave anyone as he had need. How generous is that? Everybody say very. How about this in Proverbs 10, 22? The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. You know, if someone were to ask me, Pastor, are you a rich man? I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm a rich man. And I don't say that because I'm driving a Lamborghini with a lot of money in a bank account. But I have a good God. I have an awesome family. God has taken care of my needs. Are you listening this morning? I'm a rich man. If you know the Lord, I don't know what your previous definition of a rich person is, but the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. You're not talking about a bank account now. It's just the goodness of God. Anybody in here feel rich because you have the Lord and he's been good to you this morning? Come on, somebody. And you know, you know what? Listen, listen. I pull into the gas station. Somebody drives in with a Lamborghini. I must have, I admire it. It's a well-made car. But you know how much desire I have to have a Lamborghini? Zero. Because, friend, I can't even pay for a new brakes on that thing, much less. You understand? It's like I'm, I'm rich in a way that I don't need what this world has in order to, to consider myself rich. And I, I tell you to do the same. Amen? Now, you've probably been wondering about all these white bags, right? Well, if you thought that at the end of service, I'm just going to say get a bag, and in bag number 33, there's a ticket for a new TV, and in bag 48, uh, there's a new, uh, a new watch for you. I'm sorry, that is not what's going to happen. All right. Here's what we're going to do today, and this is a way to practice the generosity that I've just talked about. All right. So, our cafe is slowly coming along. It is not going to be long before we're on the inside. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. It has been a frustrating time to add a building post-COVID. Lack of employees. It's hard to get stuff. Uh, we've been wanting to close that ditch up for weeks now. They ordered this, this, the piping and the, the drain we're going to need to enter through it. Uh, needs special holes so your high heels don't sink in. And it came in. It was the wrong one. It was the plastic version, so that's, it's, just, it's just been crazy. But we're getting close. We're getting close. We're really hoping that ours gets done before McDonald's gets done. Come on, that's the goal, you know. <laughs> Get your Big Mac, come down and eat it in our cafe, you know. Um, so all the money that you all have generously given is, is to pay off the building. And our goal is to not have to take a loan. Thank you for those of you who have given to the capital campaign over these years. Um, thank you, thank you. But what your money giving to the building doesn't cover is what we need on the inside. Tables, chairs, some equipment to finish this thing off. Amen? I mean, that, that's it. So today we are believing. Now, in the first service, I just want, I just want to brag on the first service. In the first service, we just had one row of these because there's less than half of you in the first service. And they pretty much cleaned out all the bags. And then we refilled them for you guys, all right? Um, so it's really quite simple. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to come up and get a bag. You can take as many bags as you want, all right? If you take the 46 bag, that means you are making a commitment to give $46 over the next couple of weeks. Inside is an envelope. 
bring the envelope back with $46 in it or check for $46 or give the $46 online. Just make sure if you do that, you designate capital campaign or building, all right? And uh, if all the bags or almost all the bags are taken, we will have more than enough for all the equipment. We thought about making a brochure up that showed you the different things we did. You could buy a table, but it just seemed a little too complicated. This is just really easy and kind of fun, all right? Uh, uh, matter of fact, we had a teenager in the first service. He grabbed a bunch of one, two, three, four, went back to his mom and said, let's fill them now. Gave them back to me, already done. It was pretty cool, all right? Okay, now listen, this is important, okay? This is, this, once we open this up, this is a no judgment zone. I like everybody to take a bag, even if you have to take the one. Did you hear what I just said? I'd like you, okay? If you're a couple, would you consider taking two bags? If you were gonna give 100, take a 50 and a 49, all right? Um, so that, so that, that you can help us out, all right? Because there's probably just about enough of you in here for everybody, if everybody takes a bag. If you've got your family with you, work it out with them so that, uh, um, you know, whatever amount you have in your heart, just split it up between four bags or five bags or whatever. And uh, um, God's gonna do it. I have faith because uh, God did a good thing in the first service. He's going to do it again. I want you to bow your heads before I unleash you to come get your bags. There's something I want to talk to you about that's more important than that. More important than raising the funds for what we need inside of that classroom. Much more important is somebody who might be here today. And God has brought you here today because he wants you to open the door of your heart and receive what the generous God of this universe has freely provided for you. And all he needs you to do is open up the door and receive it. I was talking to somebody after the first service and I said that uh, I grew up going to a, a denominational church. I thought I was a Christian going to church and it wasn't until I was 18 years of age invited to a church like this one that God finally opened my eyes what he wanted for me and it was so simple. He just wanted me. He wanted me to turn my life back to him, the God who gave it to me in the first place. And at 18 years of age, I asked Jesus to come in to wash me clean and to make me into a new creation. And you know what he did? He did it. He radically got a hold of my life and I know what he did for me, he'll do for you. And I'm looking for somebody here today that says, Pastor, I am the one who is in need of the salvation that this generous God has freely given. If that's you this morning, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna embarrass you but it's very important that you respond. Just raise a hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm the one who needs Jesus' forgiveness. I'm the one who needs Jesus to come into my life. I'm the one who needs a Savior. I've seen a hand or two. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray right now. Lord, I pray for those who raise their hands. That even as they're in their seat right now, they would just, just say, Jesus, come in. Wash me clean. I surrender to you, Lord. And Father, I know if you'll do that, your word says that anybody who comes to you, you will in no wise turn them away. Thank you for your faithfulness. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Everybody look at me.
I'm not going to have an official close to the service. The service happens when you grab your bag, spend a little time fellowshipping. Come on, you're, I'm going to open it up. Come on out of your seat. Come on out of that balcony. Grab a bag. Help us out. And you're, you're being like the Lord. You're being generous in your response. Thank you. You're welcome to take more than one. Take as many as you want. You're welcome to put more in the bag than what you take. God bless you. I didn't make this plane. You're not filling these today. All right, you're going to bring them back in a couple weeks. All right, take them home. Believe God. Bring it back when you have it. Thank you.